0: Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week, it's You've Got So Far To Go. Way to go, you nailed that one. I nailed that one. And here's the bass riff that everybody who picks up a bass starts playing if they don't start playing Carousel.
1: (laughs) Yeah, fair point. Um, it goes it goes
0: carousel, journey to the end of the East Bay, and you've got so far to go.
1: That seems about right. Funny thing is there was um we'll get more into this later, but there's a uh there's a Blink one eighty two M T V two special uh uh-huh. where at the start Tom's like uh, busting old Mark's chops about how he can't he can't play to the, the intro to carousel without fucking it up.
0: Yeah, so like, he gets down on the floor and, and does he, it. And, it cause and Then he Tom's, yells, 200 bucks. Because
1: Tom's like, if you play it right, I'll give you 200 bucks. I was at that show.
0: You were and, at that show? And do
1: you know who opened that show? Who? Alkaline Trio. Get out of town. Yep. I did
0: not know that. That yep. MTV2 special came out right when uh, uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket came out. Mm-hmm. My dad was kind enough to, are you ready for this 2002 uh-huh, story uh-huh. or 2001? Uh, recorded the audio onto a mini disc Ooh. for me. So it was... I had the tracks. I listened to it yeah. on my mini disc player.
1: I remember that show very vividly because uh, it was maybe the second time. It was early in me seeing Alkaline Trio, but I was aware of them. And then Newfound Glory played and did their thing. And then Blink played. And I've seen Blink a lot over the years. That was hands down the best time I've ever seen them. Yeah, they were on. It's. I was gonna say they were on fire, but it's funny because they had the pyrotechnics that lit up the word "fuck" behind them. Uh huh. Anywho, <laughs> bass guitars, bass guitars,
0: Fender jazz bass guitars. do 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 do. Hey, uh, welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. My name is Tim Crisp. His name is David Anthony. Facts, right And we would like to thank you for joining us. The number one Alkaline Trio-related podcast in the world today.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know of anyone who comes close to us, and uh, that's a good feeling.
0: It's nice to be on top. It's good to be king. Hey, patreon.com slash as you were is a great way to support the king prop up that throne a little bit mm-hmm. uh we got some cool offerings over there some incentives for you to help support the show we got polls for what songs we talk about we got some mugs that david and i are about to look at and have mm-hmm. ourselves a, a meeting about and uh some other cool stuff so go on over there patreon.com as you were if you want to help support the show But we are here today to discuss track number three from Maybe I'll Catch Fire, You've Got So Far to Go.
1: Now, it's funny to me that we've really gotten a lot of Dan songs from this record. Yeah. Uh, Not because I don't want to talk about them, but Matt's songs on this record are so weird and I feel like there's still so much for me to unpack with them, and I have so many like weird opinions that I think are gonna throw people for a loop on this record. Uh huh. I've just been waiting to talk about them, and it hasn't happened yet. Really, we did keep them coming, but
0: we did keep them coming, which is sort of like uh, it doesn't really get into the to the, the thick of things. Yeah. But if we want to talk about dance songs on this record and dance songs preceding this, yes. What a weird output that we are getting from the uh, the early Dan tracks for the Alkaline Trio.
1: It's really wild. I'm going to steal a line that you said to me before we uh, went on air, but I think this it bears mentioning. It's called pre-pro in the yeah. business. But I want to credit you with this, which is like, if you were to look at the first six songs of Dan's in the Alkaline Trio, you're kind of really left scratching your head. We've talked a lot about how His function in these early years is to kind of serve as a bit of a response to what Matt is doing. Not necessarily be like, oh, all the way to the left of what Matt is doing, but do something different. But when you think about, you know, message from Kathleen, enjoy your day, I lied my face off, Uh, this is getting over you, and then she took him to the lake in this... You're really just kind of like, how did this person write these six songs?
0: Who Who is this dude? And who is this dude following up a song uh, that's saying, Warmer Than Piss, Have You Ever Felt Like This? And then you got this, like, sappy little love song that the best thing that Matt can do at the beginning is to just, like, ring out a little ding.
1: Yeah, like a very pretty, soft Matt, like, bring. Uh-huh. Like, which he never really did. Um, and this is a song that I kind of always until you brought it up, like in my brain, I always think this song is way longer than it is. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Right. I just mean that kind of like mid tempo to slow groove that Dan starts with. And then even when they kind of pick it up a little bit in the choruses, it's true. This song never gets as fast as much anything preceding this in the canon, you know?
0: Right. It's, it's very slow, it's very prodding, and just starting with that bass intro, which really just, like, it has an effect of just since you're bringing the level down so much, mm-hmm. it feels like it's a much, you know, shorter tempo than it actually is, right? Yeah, no, totally.
1: And there's a lot of open space. shorter
0: the- isn't a tempo. It's well, like a yeah, tempo, yeah but, but.
1: but it's, like, uh, there's so much open space in the song, which was also a thing that, like, when I really think about a lot of the early records, that's not something I think about a lot. I don't think about songs where they aren't kind of all locked in together and that, you know, a bass part or a single drum part or a guitar part isn't just kind of like happening for a couple seconds. Right. This is really, yeah, it's not like, it's not like ambient in any way, but it's just like, there's a lot of room, and the fact it doesn't sound empty is really interesting to me. I think that's a really hard thing to pull off, where it's like just a bass and drums kind of. And there's and,
0: yeah, there's just so much like in the bed of it. That yeah, and
1: carries. It, it's it's just a very odd song in a lot of ways. It really is,
0: and you know, it's interesting because we didn't we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I'm thinking back to you know when you talk about. Open space in the early, the early songs like the ones that really stick out are songs like Southern Rock or Trouble sure. Breathing, sure. where they start off with matte guitar lines that are very similar to what Dan's doing here yeah. on the bass of That's utilizing, true. you know, an open A and then just the yeah this the the, the, uh, the that high E there is what he's hitting on and then. That's I mean, a very like Matt type of guitar line in these yeah. early records. I mean,
1: even like ninety seven to a certain degree. Oh yeah. Like, the early part of that. It does fit in with that, and it's interesting to hear that re like reframed on the bass. Because Dan's stuff, especially on Goddamn It, like he's playing a lot of notes. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the best way possible. I think it's great. Um he says he overplays on that record. He is wrong. Wrong. Real fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh it's perfect and nothing should change. Uh, but it's cool to see him, it's almost like if he were to split the difference between, you know, Message from Kathleen and Enjoy Your Day. Absolutely. And I think
0: that, like, you know, the way that this song comes in and then the way he comes in, pretty much spinning a narrative here in the verses.
1: Which he does, again, on She Took Him to the Lake. He's like, he's really, on this record, Starting, I think, to become a little more clear with his stories and the songs. Like "Enjoy Your Day" has one, but it's just very—it's very simplistic. There's not really characterization. Yeah, in it. and I would say the same thing almost with "Message from Kathleen." Love it, but like I—I w- I wouldn't say I get a good picture of Kathleen and his relationship. It's more—he's always waiting. He's always da da da. But on these songs. There's very specific moments he's calling out, and he he's really there's a lot of imagery in this that I think is isn't there on his earliest songs for Alkaline trio,
0: yeah, and I mean it's it's one of those one of those builds too that's like super relatable and it's you know the feeling of of talking to somebody and and feeling like you have a real connection with that person and then staying in the place until you have to leave mm hmm Filling up the ashtray twice is a fantastic little line that he's got there, and then
1: pick it up for the let's walk home. The big part, yeah. I I love how in she took him to the lake, and you know maybe I'll catch fire, and you know like this song in particular, like on all of the maybe I'll catch fire material, like he's really fascinated in this idea of like streetlights and like the the fabric of a city to a certain degree of like proximity in terms of like closeness and distance which sounds very dumb that's what proximity means but like she took him to the lake like a closer proximity but feeling distant from someone uh-huh. and this one like you know let's walk home let's be afraid you know like this idea of Closing these gaps through space and I think he's he's really doing a lot of that on this album Yeah, Uh, and that's
0: a really that's a really nice point to make and that that feeling you know when you're I don't want to get too like Moody in here, but that feeling of like walking home with someone and you're you're nervous about you know wondering how that connection that you feel is perceived on the other side and in moments like that space is a really key thing to look at and you're kind of like analyzing the the way that this person is is interacting with your presence
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean like it's it's a really interesting visual he's putting forth for those reasons and because it's like he's presenting that idea of like you're doing that walk you're walking someone home but you're like taking the long way like you know like you're trying to like extend these moments and i and i get a lot of that out of his early output of like it's very sentimental and i think sometimes i hear modern day dan stuff as being critiqued as being a little too you know a little too saccharine a little too sweet but that's always been a part of it absolutely i I think you know maybe people don't look at it that way because they've just lived with it for a really long time but you know on that early stuff like I kind of jumped over maybe I'll catch fire the song which is his darkest along with you know I lied my face off in terms of early offerings but like you know so much of his work has always been about him you know not even really longing for someone just but his like reading into these very small moments. And I think you know, that's a tough thing to express well as a songwriter without sounding really just kind of like cheesy.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think that when it gets into that uh, that cheesy territory, it's when that sentimentality is expressed onto uh, maybe the less relatable parts of of his experience that he's documenting this is a song where everyone's been in that scenario yeah not all of us uh uh, have experienced the joy of of fatherhood the way dan has maybe (laughs) he likes it a lot but Uh, i think that the the particularness of this song really lends itself to i have a very very clear vision in my head, and it's one that I've had for years and years of this song and how it plays out, almost like a scene in a movie. Mm-hmm. And when I hear it, I think of, you know, snow falling in Chicago Sure. on Clark Street yeah, near yeah. the G-Man and, you know, walking away from, from that scene.
1: Totally. I mean... I feel a similar connection to all of that, and I think that's that's what this song kind of plays into. And one of the things I've always really liked about it is, you know, I think in the earlier years, there was more of that divide between, like, oh, I'm a Matt guy or I'm a Dan guy in terms of the songwriter. But I love how when the chorus kicks in, Matt's really singing over him. Oh, yeah. And, and I think it kind of unites that idea of, like, you know, this is me reading into it a lot, but I feel it serves the function of like, oh, anyone who's like, oh, why is this dude in this band? I'm going to like also stick my neck out here and be like, sing this line just as passionately as he is because this is what it's about. It's the two of us really, really like believing in this thing and supporting one another. And I think that's what's always appealed to me about a lot of these early songs, a lot of these early records is you really just you never get the sense that any one member is carrying more weight or doubting the other. It's really a unified front, and I feel that a lot in this song, and I didn't really – I wouldn't have said that until I really sat with it again and kind of thought about it in terms of just, like, simple production choice.
0: Right, and I think, like, Matt is kind of doing the thing that, you know, everybody kind of does when they hear this song is, like, you all kind of come in on – yeah. Let's walk home. And I've just like, I've always had a really soft spot for let's be afraid. Yes. I just think that that's such a, a perfect, you know, thing to say. And it's something that, that I, you know, it's something that I, I, when I think about my partner is, is, is that sort of feeling of, of always wanting to move forward forward and you know whether it's you know wanting to wanting to kiss someone for the first time Mm -hmm. or wanting to you know do do real life things being afraid and sharing that fear together it's it's such an important and monumental connection yeah i
1: mean just like when you want to get a hyundai with someone like it's a scary thing yeah but it's a magical thing
0: well jay's already got the hyundai which is nice i parked I took her to the train on Wednesday because she was running late for work and I didn't have to work until later. And she mentioned there's street cleaning. Don't park on this side of the street. And after I dropped her off from the train, I came. I parked her Hyundai right in front of the street cleaning sign right before 9 o'clock when it started. There's a ticket coming in the mail that I get to pay for. But Hell hey, yeah. I'm not afraid to pay for a ticket because I make a lot of money roasting coffee. And uh, a lot of mistakes, so it's good. Uh-huh. And you know, that's that's the thing about that's the thing about mistakes is that you make them, but it's how you deal with them. Speaking of making potential mistakes. Before we go on to that part no. though, I would like to say that although this song feels long it also feels very short because it it really it doesn't overstay its welcome in the way that it's it's a loud quiet dynamic you can't do that more than once so the fact that it goes from a second chorus into just an extended chorus that kind of acts as a bridge it's so smart it's so punctual spacing that out with an instrumental in between doesn't serve it in any way I just love the repetition of the forgot you've got so far to go. Even though I don't know. Is that supposed to be read as like, we're kissing, but you're not even home yet? Is that what, I that, don't know. I mean, it's, it's always felt like a line that doesn't
1: exactly
0: fit within what he's talking about throughout the entire song. I've
1: always read it. Not as that, but as like, he like walked this person home. And then he's like, fuck, now I've got to, like, go all the way back. <laughs> like, that's how I always kind of read it is kind of more that idea of, like, you, you go so far out of your way to make this gesture. And then, like, after it's done, not to say it's not worth it, but you're, then you're like, oh, yeah, now i got to do all this again. You know, right. like, that's how I read it. It is kind of a weird thing in that it it doesn't have the specificity of, like, she took him to the lake. Yeah, uh, like or like the f- verse of this, the first yeah, verse of this song. But I don't know. I think I think it works because it can have those multiple meanings, and I think that's it's probably very specific to someone or something. But I like that it, it's kind of ambiguous, and it could fit either of those readings, or probably several others. It's a super
0: memorable line, and I think that this song really just doesn't have a part that isn't memorable.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I will also admit, like, the first time I remember getting this record and reading the song title you've got so far to go, it, like, reads like a vaguely inspirational, like, (laughs) Oh, the places you will go. Yeah, yeah, which we've discussed before with him doing, but, like, (laughs) I don't know. It's such a weird little song, and I kind of always forget about how much I like it until I go through it again.
0: Honestly, I think for me it's it's a it's a song that I like. It's a song that has a couple lyrical flourishes that I think are fantastic. Um but where it really kicks into the high gear is Matt's octaves at the end of it. Are yeah. so so good and the way that that song just starts as like such a slow build and those octaves are
1: really like desperate feeling well yeah that and i think it's it's true of glenn's playing on this too because at the top it's it's the most restrained glenn or matt had played on an alkaline trio song to this point but they get it up the hill like this song is it's got the loud quiet and the verses and choruses but to me it's always felt very linear because it's so much more about the feel it's like they may be repeating parts but they are making them feel very distinct and that end like it does get kind of fast. It does yeah. get kind of big and effectively. So like they do it in a way where it's like, Oh shit. Like totally. they, uh, they really earned the payoff, you know, yeah. which, which I think is, is a tough thing to know when you've done it or not, when you're in it. But this one clearly does that.
0: Yeah. It's a real solid track. Yeah. Questionably. Um, and there's, it's, it's solid enough too that, well,
1: you might as well just, pill for it yeah i mean i think you should always be stealing from other people maybe not as directly as the band Car racer did, <laughs> is what like you know everyone in music is kind of taking influence very liberally but this is like over the top in the song cat like thief
0: if you haven't listened to or never heard cat like thief before just turn it on and have some fun because it is straight up this song
1: which kind of why I told that story up top about seeing blink at that show on the take off your pants and jacket tour with alkaline trio opening clearly they were aware of one another clearly mm-hmm. blink would need to like them enough to bring them out on tour uh And then after that record, when Blink kind of takes a slight pause and Tom and Travis and a couple other guys do Boxcar Racer, very strange to hear this song in that context.
0: There's a very famous story, of course, of uh, Green Day taking Dillinger 4 out on tour. Yes. And then ripping off Double Whiskey Coke No Ice for American Idiot, ripping it off to the extent that the story goes that a check just shows up
1: yeah there's there's no confirmation the band Dillinger 4 has never said anything to that end but it's uh, a lot of people believe it and I remember hearing the Boxcar Racer CD uh, when it came out and this coming up and I was like ooh that's weird but then it gets weirder because it's Boxcar Racer it's the Tom band that is not the first voice you hear. <laughs> um, it's Tim Armstrong of Rancid, Operation Ivy fame. And it's like... And the transplants. Uh, yeah. Well, not yet. Not yet, but we'll get there.
0: Tim Armstrong is in a very, very weird uh, point of his life yes. in 2002 or three. Yes. Uh,
1: he very much is. And also on this song, he just sounds like... It's like if there was a dial on his voice... And someone just fucking turned it all the way up. Because it's like Tim Armstrong times two. He is indecipherable and really British on this (laughs) song. Uh, It's weird. It's very weird.
0: Um, And then Tom comes in with his,
1: like, just his
0: I'm serious Tom voice.
1: Yeah. I will say I kind of enjoy the Boxcar Racer record because it's like, I like you kind of stretching your limbs a little bit and. It doesn't always work. Yeah, but it, but,
0: it, it serves a a purpose, I would say. To, and there's a couple tracks
1: on there that I remember liking. Yeah. very much. But it's it's very saccharine. It's very over the top, like the song "There Is" or whatever. It's like he's really going for it. That's but, the one that I like a lot. No, I like it, but it's it's going for it, mm-hmm. right? Like, but the point I want to make about the song is the first time I heard it, like I didn't look at the liner notes. Like I didn't really read about the record. I just knew it was coming out and. I got a copy, and I listened to it. And this came up, and when I heard the bass line, I was a little put off, and I heard Tim Armstrong, and I was like, oh, well, like, if they got Tim, like, maybe they got, like, Dan to play bass on this song. That's not what happened. <laughs> uh, but it was very much my young brain trying to justify why I was hearing what I was hearing. And I still don't really know if this has been addressed publicly. Like, I've looked here and there, but it's... You can't find much.
0: Well, we've got a video of... and. I, there's multiple accounts of of Tom and Mark professing love and adoration for the Alkaline Trio and for Matt
1: specifically, Matt. Yeah,
0: his lyrics, um, which is
1: wild, given everything. But people know why. The
0: <laughs> you could not map out the crossing of paths that <laughs> the the incestuous nature of the relationship between blink 182 and alkaline trio as it has gone down over the past 18 years it's so preposterous and bizarre yeah you could not make it up
1: no it's very weird and it's also just like thinking about it in terms of timeline you know there was a period After Blink had kind of broken up and... And Boxcar Racer had a good amount of
0: the... uh, It kind of set the seeds for the falling out between Mark and Tom.
1: No, yeah. It's it's a huge part of the lore of why that happened. And then the Untitled record happens, which I think is great. I
0: love Untitled
1: by Blink-182. And and then, you know, they they break up for good and they kind of do their own bands. But it's really interesting to me because that is kind of happening around the same time that like Matt's doing heavens and like doing other stuff. And it's, it's weird to me that those Orbans didn't first cross then in terms of them like doing stuff together. Yeah. Um, You know, especially given that like, it makes sense Tom didn't cause he was going for a whole nother thing, you know, but it's weird that like Mark and Travis starting a new band that maybe they didn't hit him up, you know, obviously he had other shit going on, but it's like, it seems like that seed's been planted for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's that mid-2000s era of these two bands is really strange. You know, a lot of side projects, a lot of one-offs, a lot of weird things happening. And, yeah, I don't know what to make a lot of it. <laughs> All right.
0: Fuck Kill Mary. Oh, God. Plus 44. Angels and Airwaves, Heavens.
1: Ooh, um, I'm gonna marry Heavens, cause I, I think that record's kind of underrated. It's a, it's not perfect, right? But I, I really like Matt's performance on it a lot. Um, I'm gonna say this is gonna be controversial. I'm gonna say, f- fuck Angels and Airwaves kill plus 44 wow um i don't really have much of an opinion on plus 44 like i never really listened to that record much but i think that song the adventure by angels and airwaves is tight as hell no way i like that song a lot
0: damn i would most definitely kill angels and airwaves i
1: mean most of their stuff is garbage but i appreciate how it is just what it is there's there's not a lot of bands doing that, and I kind of like how audacious it is.
0: You know what? I'm gonna marry plus forty four because that Atticus money can pay my parking ticket when fair I, enough, when, I get, when I get when I get a parking ticket in Los Angeles parking marks Mercedes. Oh, Jesus. Hey, what do you rate? You've got so far to go. The song by Alkaline
1: Trio that we came here to discuss today. It's tough, um, but I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it uh, four walks out home out of five. I think it's really solid, really great.
0: Yeah, I think that's where I'm at too. Four streetlights out of five. Um, and it's it's one of those it's one of those songs where it's, it's not my favorite. It's yeah not my favorite on this record. It's not my favorite dance song on this record. Um, but I really always kind of enjoy the journey that it takes
1: yeah and i've it's a song i've never had a moment of like ah, i'm gonna skip it like yeah. it, it, it always feels good
0: and i think that if i saw them tomorrow and they played this i would be as excited for this song as anything else i agree this would I be agree. the one that i would just like really want to like get up and like Sing along to totally,
1: and I think because it warrants that, and I think it brings that reaction out of people. But it also feels like a sleeper pick. It's like it's it's a strange song in that way where I think it's well liked, but I think it's it's not like like you said, it's not the one that comes out when you're listening like, oh, I love these songs, you know? Yeah. But then you hear it and you're like, oh shit, this one's great too. Uh huh. Right. So,
0: and I think like, I mean, you want to talk about like measurements for a good band. That's one of them. Oh, yeah, totally. The great songs that you just forget about. Yep.
1: Where, like, if this was on a Menzinger's record, it's the best song on a Menzinger's record.
0: Maybe if it's moving
1: past the impossible past. Or before. Damn. Um, <laughs> they hey, got one good one.
0: Uh, Chamberlain Waits. Uh, what? That was a
1: great record.
0: Eh. Um, eh. Hey, Subscribe on apple podcasts stitcher uh we're on twitter at as you were pod hit us up on there i'd like to get that that twitter a little bit more active every time i every time i go on there to like post about uh the episodes i'm like damn we we don't post anything on here yeah what would you want us to post Tell us that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and give me a reason to go on that timeline, because my Twitter timeline is just so depressing at this point. Yeah, it's And we bleak. only follow, like, eight things on the Alkaline Trio one, so it's like, oh, wow, the only news that happens is music-related. Oh, nice. When I get,
1: like, an alert from Twitter from that account, it's like, Mike Park tweeted this, and that's all it ever is, which <laughs> is good. good. But, night. yeah, um as you were
0: podcast at gmail.com patreon.com slash as you were if you want to support the show and participate in polls get a cool coffee mug that sort of stuff my name is tim his name is david uh we do this because we like to we like hanging out with each other we like Always talking about this band so we will be back next week to do more of it thanks of so far to go Way to go, way to go Forget you've got so far to go